Hi, I'm Carol Pope, and you're listening to The Stewie Tunes Show with Tony Stewart and Aaron Badgley. Hey, Tony, how's it going? Good. How was uh, I, you got back to in the you're in the, in the classroom again? Tell me about it. how's it going in the classroom. Fine. How's the weather in Ottawa? Cold. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> as you can tell, folks, we're going to be talking about uh, interviews that went south in a hurry, and we've got some good ones for you. But, yeah, that was good. I that was scaring me. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Anyway, are you ready to get you ready to get to it, sir? I'm ready to get to it as oh. always, yes. All right, let's cue up the theme music and we'll be right back. Welcome, Welcome to the, the Stewie, Stewie Tune Show. These are insights and commentary on the music and musicians that shape our lives. And now, let's go back to class with your hosts, Tony Stewart and Aaron Badgley. All right, good evening, sir. How are you doing for real this time? Or no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of fun. I, uh, I don't get I, to be a jerk like that very often. So you're never a jerk. What are you talking about? You're not. <laughs> it's not in your DNA. Um, I, I guess you've had a busy week, though, eh? Yes, it's been uh, insane. We're back to uh, a new quadmester. We're calling it. They're half semesters, but uh, you know this because we were talking about this. I found out yesterday that I was going to be teaching a grade ten history course starting today. So. <laughs> I've been a wee bit busy and, and it's not, uh, you know, it's just a result of the numbers are really fluid because some kids are learning remotely and, and some are in class and we don't get a, a, a final sense of um, numbers at the school until the week before the uh, right. quadmester starts. So I, uh, yeah, I'm a teacher. Well, good thing I'm a history buff because uh, I'll actually really look forward to teaching this course, but man, I, you know, jumped in both feet first today. You gotta you gotta brush up on your history. Um, so how many how many kids are in a, like an average class like that, Tony? Like in class? Well, that class is on the small side, twenty two. Okay. Small. Okay. Um, but I have a, another class that's thirty in class. Wow. Yeah. Wow. wow so wow, wow. we, uh, you know, luckily that room is fairly large. We're able to space them out. But uh, yep. Well, you know what? Um, if you need any help with uh, history, Canadian history, World War One, uh, I, I don't hesitate. Don't hesitate to use the computer and Google. And <laughs> That's right. Use the Google because <laughs> I can't. I'll be a man. I can. I'm, I'm a history buff. I me too. I, so, me too. Uh, you know, and I had mentioned to uh, my principal earlier on that if a history course ever does come up, I'd love to teach it because uh, you know history is fascinating. Yeah. It is. Just a bit of warning would be nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think she's listening to this, so I'm okay. <laughs> no, I love history. I'm, I'm envious because you're doing, you're teaching music and history, two of my favorite things, and 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 something you do very well with the Stewieton Show, which is the music history moments. You know. So. Oh well, thanks. So today um, we're going to be talking about interviews that went south in a hurry, and this one was uh, my idea. This episode and. Where I got the idea for this one from was watching an interview in 1983 that uh, MTV was sitting down with David Bowie. And um, Bowie, all the respect to him, you know, he was giving MTV the gears about not playing black artists or 
pointing out that, you know, the, the times that you do play Bach artists, they're on at 2 a.m. They're, um, and I just thought, good for you, but it also gave, gave me that idea. We should do uh, an episode about uh, interviews that do go south uh, for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's because uh, the person being interviewed is uncooperative. Sometimes they've uh, imbibed in a substance or two, and sometimes they're just angry, but uh, all kinds of reasons. And we've got some good ones for you here tonight, folks. So, Well, you know, the thing is, interviews are to serve, I mean, since the beginning of rock and roll. I mean, uh, and and pre rock and roll like Bing Crosby or whoever is to promote a record. You know, you're coming on to talk about your new record, or sometimes a tour, or so they're interviewing Bowie, thinking they're going to talk. He's going to talk about his Glass Spider tour or whatever it was. And he blind blindsides them, right? Yes. And I mean, I've been in that situation where you think, okay, you want to talk about your new album, and and. Wow, it's like pulling teeth sometimes, right? Yeah, so you've had an interview like that with Spill, have you? I had one. I've been really fortunate. You know, I've been really, really lucky. I would say everyone I've interviewed through Spill, but there was one band, not naming names, but uh, I interviewed the lead singer, and when I could understand him, his answers made absolutely no sense. And you know when you're talking to someone and you know you're putting them out? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, the, I was I was amazed. I got an article, one of the shortest articles I ever wrote. But, okay. Uh, and I was I didn't know what to do. Like I'm kind of, and I'm a social worker. I'm used to non uncooperative people being interviewed, but this guy just was like giving me nothing. So now with a podcast, before you joined on, I had excellent interviews from everybody. I never had um, anybody who wasn't a good interview. But I can tell you from teaching experience because I've been around uh, a long time. I think this is my twenty fifth year. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think I get the watch this year from the union there, but, uh, um, I, you know, I've had classes where you try to initiate a discussion and it's dead silence and you're just coaxing and coaxing and it is very uncomfortable. So, uh, some of these interviews that we talk about tonight, I mean, you can, it was very uncomfortable for the interviewer. Well, and when you work in radio and I worked in radio, one of the cardinal sins is dead air. Yes, you, you cannot have dead. And podcasts are different, but back in the eighties, you know, if you think about radios, like talk, 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 music, talk. You're doing these interviews, and again, when I was in radio, I was very fortunate. Although, can I tell you a very quick funny story? Yes, I was interviewing Ronnie Hawkins. Oh, and um, we're talking, and in the middle of an answer, he says, uh, "Badgley." I knew a Marion Badgley, cute, 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 cute woman. I tried to pick her up, but she was married. I said, "That's my mom." Oh, yeah. Nice <laughs> <laughs> live radio. I was like, okay, "Stop." <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> leave your mother out of it. That's right. <laughs> uh, so it was a good interview. It just was more embarrassing for me, I think, and my mother who was listening at home. But anyways. <laughs> And you had pointed out, and I watched it today, because uh, I haven't seen this show for so long, but we're both fans, WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh. And season one, the very first season, episode four, was called uh, Hoodlum Rock. <laughs> and, uh, what a great episode. And uh, um, when they go to interview that band, and I, I love the setup. Uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it, you know, because it's this band has this reputation as being awful and that you know and they come to the studio and they're all dressed in the suits and they're polite That's and right. well-spoken and uh, you know drinking tea and everything and then as soon as uh as soon as venus starts the uh, interview, the, interview yeah. uh, the first first thing out of the 
guy's mouth is, we hate Cincinnati. <laughs> very clearly, too. It's very calm. We hate Yeah. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. That was hilarious. I uh, I haven't seen that show for so long, so thanks for that little... Uh, uh, it's just, it's the ultimate in bad interviews. <laughs> but although Venus handles it quite well, but no, um, uh, I love that show. And we were joking before about the, the infamous Turkey episode, but this one is classic, too, with Scum of the Earth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, terrific. Uh, so uh, let's get started, shall we? Sure. So number 10, this we, we picked 10 of them. And uh, and there's this, lots, guys. Oh, there tons. are so many. We just thought we'd pick 10 um, that are pretty notable. Was uh, Vanilla Ice on MTV when he just mm-hmm. goes nuts and... I don't know about you. That was a that was a strange one for me when I was watching that because uh, I I wonder how much of that was anticipated. Maybe I think I think it was. I think it's a combination, right? I think part of it wasn't, but I think he just lost his mind. Because mm-hmm. if you look carefully, there's one of the MTV guys who looks scared. Yeah, <laughs> like that's not acting. He's looking really scared. Yeah, because they were they they start talking about his you know ice ice baby, which I'm sure he was fed up with talking about, and then they, uh, you know, they offer him a hammer, wasn't it, to uh, yep. to yep. smash the uh, video cassette? <laughs> but the part for me was you know when the other uh, VJ had a baseball bat there that he gave to him, like, and I was wondering like why would you have that prop there unless you were looking for like I so I didn't know how much they had discussed in advance or whether it just got out of control in a hurry, you know. I think it got out of control in a hurry. It's kind of like the the infamous interview with the Sex Pistols on the BBC when the guy says, well, you know, go on, say something um, outrageous. And oh, they yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> it always astounds me that people are surprised when someone like Johnny Rotten or Sid Vicious says something like that. You're like, well, you just, you set yourself up. So it's the same thing with Vanilla Ice. I think you give you give this guy any kind of uh, opportunity to be an idiot. And he, he took it. So yeah, he took it, and he's uh, you know quite liberal with the baseball bat. We'll uh, we'll put these uh, interviews in the show notes on uh, stewytunes dot com, and and yep. uh, people can take a look at them. But that one was interesting because I was surprised that they had a few of the extra props around. I, I think they figured it'd be funny to see him maybe smashing a video cassette with uh, with a baseball bat, but uh, he ended up smashing. <laughs> Nothing just could go wrong. Else. No, Nothing no. could go wrong. <laughs> What could go wrong with that setup, right? But oh now, my. let's move on. Lou Reed. I mean, it's hard to pick just one with some yeah. of these people. And uh, Lou Reed always had a bit of an antagonistic uh, relationship with the press, didn't he? Oh, he and he courted it. I mean, he not just the press. I, I just watched a concert of his in Montreal from nineteen. 19- 91, and he says to the audience, he goes, we're going to do this album from beginning to end. If anyone has a problem with it, speak now. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. We're good, Lou. (laughs) So we picked uh, his... In 1974, fresh off the plane in Australia on uh, Meet the Press, and boy, he just stonewalls them. I don't even know where to start describing this interview because... He contradicts himself, and it's obvious he's doing it on purpose, but he's doing the one-word answers. Mm-hmm. Like you did. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I did. I was doing a little Lou Reed at the beginning. Um, he does the one-word answers and then, uh, you know, starts making drug references, and then, and then, you know, do you do, you do drugs? And he's no. Right? <laughs> and then later on, they asked him, well, you know, what are you spending all your money on? Drugs. 
it's just so an exercise in frustration for the interviewers. But oh. you can you can tell. I mean, he had sunglasses on for the interview, but I I'm sure he was just having a ball because oh, he uh, was he was he was enjoying every second of that. Don't kid yourself. I mean. Lou, Lou knew what he was doing at all times. He was a very, in, in a really bizarre way, he was a very controlled individual. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, in the last half of his life, he was Tai Chi and yoga and, and martial arts, um, which fits perfectly for Lou Reed. So, yeah. yeah. I love Lou Reed. I'm, oh, me I just, too. I'm me a too. big, big, big fan. So. And I, I got an absolute kick out of that interview. I did too. <laughs> now, this one I didn't know about. Uh, this was one of yours, but... Is yeah. one of the most uncomfortable things to watch. Oh, it's brutal! It's a group from Iceland. Yeah, called the Sigur Rós, and I've seen them. I've seen them in concert here in Toronto, and and they put on. I, I love them. They're great shows, but even their shows are a bit odd because the second time I saw them, the opening act was a guy that came on, um, or a band that came on with bells. Oh, and <laughs> they played bells. <laughs> uh, kind of odd, but. Um, well, what's what's sad about this one is the interviewer. It's an NPR NPR interview, and they're not rude or anything. No, they're not doing it to be rude at all. No, but they're not giving them anything. Like <laughs> there's this silence, you know. Well, you know, it reminded me of you know when you see guys do uh, in theater like improv, mm. and that one of the rules of improv is never block someone like that. But but they're blocking every question, and and again, I, they weren't doing it to be rude. No, I, I don't think they were aware. I don't think they were aware of what they were doing. Like I no. think they were just trying to get through the. And I just felt so bad for the. But he handles it well. Oh, he handles it incredibly well. And you know what impressed me the most actually was his ability to keep asking questions. Yeah, because <laughs> you know what I mean. Like you go into an interview, you've probably got five or six big questions you want to ask. But he gets through those five questions in about the first 30 seconds because they just give him nothing. And he just has – I was really impressed with how he handled that. Because if I was him, I'd be going, great, let's go to a song now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they were two on this list that were the strangest. That was one of them for me. Yeah, that was a bizarre – well, and and – you should have you heard their music? Have you have you gone in to listen to their music? I have not. I've been just I've been so busy this week that uh, well, I, you yeah. should try them. They're, I, I have all their albums and I'm a huge, huge fan. And I, I watched that. It kind of it was funny, but also very uncomfortable, you know? Yeah, that would be the biggest word, right? Uncomfortable. <laughs> and and you know what else is when you hear Icelandic people speaking English, they always sound so happy. Right, yeah. the way there's that lilt to the voice where their voice goes up at the end. So yeah. he'd ask them a question, and they'd be like, "Fine." <laughs> that was it. <laughs> it was... <laughs> oh, so it was. Hor- oh, yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> so let's do the next uh, strange one. Back, sure, we'll do back to back strange ones, and then we can take our music. Well, this is one you one. chose, right? Number yeah, this seven, is one yeah. of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one was, I think, is the strangest one on the list. I agree. Because I don't, it's hard to know what exactly happened, but Madonna on David Letterman in 1994. And uh, she, so by 1994, I mean, she's already an established star. She's on top of the world. And. uh, Which is huge. Yeah, she was. And so she comes out and right off the top, she is off. Something's off. And she's trying to, she walks out. Did you watch the interview? That I one, did. Yeah, I, she I walks did. out. She told me, yeah. 
She walks out with a pair of underwear of her underwear in her hands and he, and she's getting trying to get Dave Letterman to smell them. Yeah. It is the weirdest thing and she won't let up. No. And she's, then, like, she, she's like a dog with a bone. Yep. Yeah. And and he's obviously very very uncomfortable. Like yeah. he doesn't know how to react and then when she finally sits down uh not only is she blocking his uh questions but she uh just won't uh give him anything and is antagonistic towards him as well it was so strange and and again going back to what i said earlier you're wondering how she thinks this is going to help her sell a cd because it was she was really bizarre that night like i don't i don't know the drugs were involved or you read some more about it though didn't you about what she said later yeah so According to her, now I don't know whether she's backpedaling because she did get a lot of heat over that interview because also she refused to uh, move over in the chair. That's right. She That's hijacked right. the show. I forgot show. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the yeah. Black Crows, right, were supposed to come on and play a set and um, a couple of songs and uh, they only got one in. Yeah. And, and one of the guests, I can't remember the guest, uh, couldn't come on. But, right. she's, but she said, I'm not moving. And, uh, and oh, and she dropped the F-bomb 14 times. 14. Was it really 14? Was I knew 14 it was more than times. It was a and lot. and yeah. uh, he was so uncomfortable with it. I mean, it was, uh, he was really squirming because I, I think he didn't know what to do. And he's not someone who's easily made to be uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's, he's, he makes people uncomfortable. That's right. David Letterman, you know, so. So afterwards, I, I did some more reading about this. And uh, like I said, I don't know whether she was backpedaling or not, but um, she said that the F-bombs were a statement about network censorship, which I'm I'm not sure I totally believe that. I think she's... But she said that the stonewalling and the giving him a hard time and um, was because she was unhappy with the way that he introduced her. And she got offended, she said, by the way that he introduced her. I guess he made some kind of crack about her sleeping with just about everybody. And she said that she decided she was going to hijack the interview but uh who knows one of the oddest things i've ever seen though yeah and even odder is they aired it yes because it wasn't live i mean it was taped and then it was i mean they cut bits out and they they censored but they still aired it and i don't i if i had been madonna's people i would have been throwing money at cbs going please don't air this (laughs) yeah because i i think the first thing people thought was she was high or Mm -hmm. uh but I, I don't know. It was just very, very odd. But you know what? Uh, shall we take a break? And sure. All right. Let's take a break and uh, we'll go to our history, music history moment. And guess what, Aaron? I mean, had to do this one. It's a Beatles related one, but it's wow. a big one. So yeah, it's we'll, a biggie. Yeah, it sure is. So we'll be right back. How can I not go with this one? On February 6th, 1958, a very young George Harrison joined the Liverpool skiffle group called the Quarrymen. The group was named after John Lennon's school and featured John Lennon, Paul McCartney, Len Gary, Eric Griffiths, and John Lowe. For music fans everywhere, this was extremely significant because now three out of the four pieces of the puzzle of what would later become the Beatles were in place. Let's get back to the show. And we're back, and I love history moments like that. I think that, you know, the moment when Harrison joins the Beatles, like, well, so cool. And, you know, he had to audition to John. Paul Paul had to get him to audition 
to get into the quorum. And do you know what song he played? I'm not sure. He played an old instrumental called Raunchy. Oh. And he played it on the top of a double-decker bus. So can you imagine? <laughs> you got John, Paul, and George on the top of a double-decker bus in Liverpool, and George's are down, 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 down. And it was a great story, but it's true. Sure. Yeah. Now, I thought, when I was looking over all the history things that had happened on that day, I thought, there's no way I can't do this one. Just too well, big. Well, no, it's, a, it's, it's, it's history, right? I mean, it's where would the world be without those three? And then later on, Ringo joining. So More or less, right. I'm, I'm with you. So we're going to stick with the uh, Fab Four here, and we're going to go on to our next interview. This is uh, John Lennon and Yoko Ono with New York Times reporter Gloria Emerson. And this was one yeah. of yours, and this was uh, interesting as well, but... I'll let you Does describe she not sound this. like Miss Hathaway? She sure did. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and I I don't know about you, but I think she deserved what she was getting from John. I mean, because she was antagonistic right off the bat. Yeah, there, it, it was a year, that was the year that Lennon was being interviewed by people like her. This would be 1969. And there's another clip I was going to mention to you with a, a cartoonist named Al Cap, who interviews him in Montreal. And it's it's brutal. He's rude. He's just right out rude. And she, she, she's mocking him during the interview. And he, and, and all you have to do is look at his face and you think, I'd shut up if I was like, I would, you know, switch the direction this interview is going, but she challenges him and, uh, he gets it back, I think, pretty well. Well, I actually thought he got the upper hand in that he does. interview. He does. Yeah. He you does. know, I, I don't think she was counting on his intelligence. And well, his, no, because I think she's, I think she was kind of snobby. Yeah, and I, I think that she came to the interview thinking she was going to make mince meat out of this, you know, yabo from Liverpool, and she didn't. He, well, yeah, uh, I think you know when she's trying to insinuate that all of the bed-ins and everything else, you know, you're just looking for an excuse to go on vacation and do nothing, and yeah. and that was far from John's intention. And uh, yeah, I was really, and, when, and, when she, and then when she calls him, "Oh, you dear boy," like, "Oh my gosh," I, his face—it's just. I thought he contained himself rather well, actually. Yeah, so did I. And and yeah. I thought uh, both of them, John and Yoko, were oh, elo- Yoko too, of yeah, eloquent. And uh, they put her in her place pretty well, I thought. Without being mean. Like nope. Lennon just stood his ground and just went, you know. So, yeah, I'm with you. That's a, but it's still an awkward, awkward interview to watch. You kind of want to you wince a wee bit, you know? Oh, for sure. Now, this next one, again, because he's had quite a few... But uh, the Godfather of Soul, and in 1988, he did one particularly notable interview, Uh, not notable because of some of his actions. He had been charged with assaulting his wife with with a lead pipe and taking a shot at her car as she was attempting to flee. So, um, but he did an interview and was just obviously was on something when he did the interview. You could tell right from the start because his answers were incoherent. He's babbling meaninglessly, um, singing song titles. I mean, where do you start? It's it's really very sad actually to see it because it's, it's clearly a man who's not, um, he shouldn't have been interviewed at the time. Someone should have known better and kind of stopped it or something because he's clearly not, capable of, of doing what he was supposed to do at that time, you know? Yeah, it was uh, really awful. And um, I wonder, like, wouldn't his people, like, say to, to him, you shouldn't do this? Or would he, do you think well, he just went ahead and did it regardless? 
unless he just presented really well before he did it, like, I don't know, I watch, it's like Madonna. Again, you think someone's going to say, enough, like, this is, this is going to do it. And, and James Brown, this did damage his career because he had living in America and he mm-hmm. was actually making quite a comeback in the 80s. And then he was making the news for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And, and making light of his actions too. Right. Which, oh, yeah. Which is really, yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's a terrible interview. Yeah. But, it um, was uh, just a, a train wreck from beginning to end. And it's, yeah. You know, the, the clip that I saw was only about five minutes, but it, I was wincing the whole time. I was like, oh, man, I can't believe this is happening. Five, five minutes of that is more than enough, Tony. Oh, I absolutely honest. agree. Let's now, be honest. Now, we were talking about, you know, some interviews where uh, the artist just gets fed up. You know, the John Lennon interview was one, but here's another one, right? Uh, one that you had mentioned here, Bob Dylan in 1965 with Time Magazine. And again, I think he just rips, tears a strip off this interviewer and, and so doesn't relent. He doesn't. And and I'm going to just state my bias right now. I I come close to worshipping Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the man. I think he's, um, I don't know if you saw the movie he put out last year, uh, which was a, a, allegedly a documentary, but it turned out really wasn't. It was quite funny, actually. Yeah. Um, he, he just, he tears into this. And I actually, unlike Gloria Emerson, I feel sorry for him. He looks really sad because, because Dylan just does not, he doesn't stop. No. And he doesn't even give the guy time really to, to defend himself or ask a question. Yeah. Or even clarify. Dylan just goes on this tangent and, uh, I, I mean, for those of you who are familiar with the whole history of Dylan and, and when he went electric in 65, 66, and getting booed off the stages in, in England, and a few in America, he was on edge. Um, and uh, those are, if you ever want to see someone challenging an audience, watch those clips of, of Dylan uh, going live, or going electric. Um, but this poor guy from Time, he just, he kind of asked one question, and, you know, Dylan's like, well, have you heard this? Have you listened to it? Did you actually listen to it? You know, yeah, it just goes... Um, funny, awkward, but I don't know. Dylan was just in the mood that day and I don't think he wanted to do the interview. And again, someone should have stopped and said, you know, Bob, maybe later, but, uh, they went on and, uh, and, and quite a while too. I mean, it was not, not a short interview. That (laughs) was what, and again, I want to stay for the record. I feel sorry for the guy. I I don't even know what he said. Like he just kind of set Bob off. So, but You know, this is the thing when you're dealing. I mean, I, I I would love to meet Dylan. I don't know if I'd want to interview him because I I mean I've seen so I, I've seen several clips of him where he's a bit he's like Lou Reed. I mean, he can be like Lou Reed a bit. He and and he's quick, man. He's so quick. So yes, you know, and that's actually a pretty common thread because one of the people we're ta- going to talk about in the third segment, um, a lot of people don't know that about him, but he's very quick as well, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, can't stand doing interviews, obviously, but we'll we'll get to that in the, the next set. But let's do our final one for this set. Yeah, yeah. And um, this was, you know, the ultimate, like, rock and roll's first great scandal and and uh, an interview basically destroying an artist's career. And what a scandal. Oh, boy. And uh, <laughs> for those of you who haven't figured it out yet, we're talking about Jerry Lee Lewis. and the his, killer. Yes, and that kill it, career-ending killer interview... <laughs> At Heathrow Airport, 
where he's standing there with his 13 year old child bride, who is his, his cousin, who's his cousin. And, um, against the wishes of his management team, he brought her over and, and, uh, she had that line in the interview, which was, you know, well, you could be 10 years old back home and get married if you can find a husband. And, and it just, that was it. Yeah. It just, it just goes part in the part in the pun. It goes south from there. You know, yeah. like it's just, it's, um, yeah, he, again, very much like Madonna. It's like, he doesn't know when to quit and he's, and, and he just, it just, it just goes, uh, worse and worse and worse. Well, but, cause he um, dug in. Yeah. Oh, he didn't, he he, he digs in and he, yeah. with a shovel, Tony, with a yep. shovel. Like Absolutely. Um, and I always was astounded. You know, I did a, an episode on that back in my first season of the show, but mm-hmm. like his, the, the, the sums of money, you know, going from making $10,000 per night to within a matter of a couple of weeks, not even being able to get $250 to play. And it's, wow. it's astounding because, you know, $10,000 in 1958 money is, is a huge, huge princely huge. sum of money. And, and the sad thing about Jerry Lee is, much like the, the great Phil Spector who just passed away, Spector was a great producer, not a great human being. I mean, he did some really horrible, horrible, horrible things. But I, you know, he could produce. And Jerry Lee has done some pretty horrible things. Mm-hmm. But man, he made some, part of, again, part of the, he made some killer records. I mean, he yeah, was, absolutely. He, super talented guy. But. Super talented. And, 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 um, he, but even, even in his old age, you know, he still, still goes out there and goes, I'm the only one that survived. Okay, Jerry. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. But yeah. I know. Well, sir, are you uh, ready to take another break? I'm always ready to take a break. Yes. All right. Let's do, I'll do the uh, birthday moment. We've got a few notable ones and then, and then we'll be right back. Sounds good. First up in 1945, we saw the arrival of Jamaican singer, Bob Marley. After Marley passed away, February 6th was declared a national holiday in Jamaica. Next up, in 1950, Natalie Cole was born. She was, of course, the daughter of famous American singer Nat King Cole. Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses joined us in 1962, and in 1966 we saw the arrival of Gord Downey from The Tragically Hip and someone who's never going to give you up, Rick Astley. And we're back, and we're going to go with a little Canadian content here, as well, we like to do. do that, hang oh, on, Tony. Yep. Before you do that, I'm going to destroy my credibility. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. This, this is my time to go south. I think Rick Astley is underrated. I, you know what? I kind of do, too. I mean, in terms of the voice and... Yeah. I'm, uh, nice guy. I mean, he's a, he's a lovely guy, and, and, and uh, you know what? He wasn't as bad as people think they remember him as. So I just wanted to say that. And, and any credibility I had is now just gone. But uh, <laughs> Well, you know, the whole Rick Roll thing doesn't help either. <laughs> well, you, but I had never known that till you told me about that. Oh, yeah. Well, look up Rick Rolling people if you don't know what it is. Maybe we can Rick Roll you in the show notes or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I interrupted. I'm sorry. I just had to say that because you brought that up. So yeah, there you that's go. That's right. So this one uh, was one of my choices. And I, I, I was... Uh, I couldn't believe you hadn't heard this one, but it was, man, it. it was only a few years ago. And, uh, of course, I'm talking about Billy Bob Thornton's infamous appearance on Q. And 
I've seen the video interview, but I, I was listening to it on the radio the first time I heard it. So you heard it. it live when it was happening. I heard it when it was happening. Wow. And it was unbelievable. And Billy Bob shut down right from the start and he was antagonistic and, and giving answers that were completely unrelated to what Gomeshi was asking him. And the, the setup for this folks is uh, Billy Bob was pretty firm that he did not want his acting career to be discussed. He just wanted to talk about his band and their albums and, and their tour. So the band was called the box masters. Mm-hmm. And so the, the three guys are there in studio and Gomeshi, I, like you're saying, uh, during the break, you know, Gomeshi set it up because he, when he's introducing Billy Bob mentioned the fact that he was an actor and done all these movies and right away, you could see on, uh, Billy Bob Thornton's face. Clears about. Yep. He, it just went south right away. And, um, you talk about an uncomfortable interview and, uh, Gomeshi just keeps pushing and they end up arguing. Yeah. And, uh. The, the two guys, the other oh, band members. I, they just look so uncomfortable. I felt so bad for them because yeah. they're just sitting there like, oh, why did you do this? But you remember, um, he even is answering questions, talking about something totally different. He's talking yeah. about these models that he built as a kid. Yeah. And, and, Bacon and eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Just being a, a total jerk. But again, I think uh, Gomeshi probably did have it coming a little bit because uh, Billy Bob, when he finally lost it, said like, I... We told you guys we don't didn't want this to be about the acting. And well, and and to, and in Billy Bob's defense, first of all, those albums are good. He's mm-hmm. he's actually a really great performer, singer, songwriter. Yeah, uh, he's great. And and I can understand how he'd want to just talk music because it's. I would think it's hard. It's hard for a singer to become an actor, and I think it's hard for an actor to become a singer, right? Because it always gets a bit hazy in there. But. Um, I mean, maybe Billy Bob could have handled it differently, but uh, he just, we learned one thing, Tony. Don't annoy Billy Bob Thornton. Oh boy, he was scary in that interview. <laughs> and like he looked like at one point he wanted to punch John Gomeshi. I mean, he, uh, yeah, the he look did. on his face. And, and you know, I, I think he also didn't want to overshadow his bandmates was one yeah. of his things too. He just wanted to talk, like you say, talk about the music. But uh, boy, what an uncomfortable interview! And then, do you remember? <laughs> do you remember what happened? Out? Did you see what happened after when they went um, to play? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. didn't play. Yeah. He and he didn't sing. He refused to play and sing. Yeah, I don't have my I don't have my drums with me. Yeah. And they're going to do an instrumental. So it, he threw his like, bandmates under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not helping his own career though. No. I, I mean, in, on, on some levels, you know, Billy Bob could have used the exposure. Like you're li- you're listening to it. And you would have loved to have heard him sing and something he'd written and all that. Yeah. So it doesn't help your career. I guess sometimes you had to put your career second. I don't know, but that, that was brutal. Yeah. And we're fine. We're at number one, folks. And uh, this was one of yours. And uh, uh, it's I my mean, favorite. It's <laughs> there's favorite. there's so many for him that you could pick, though. But this is a a great one. Yeah, go ahead. It's my favorite. It's 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 um, nineteen June twenty seventh, nineteen eighty, and and and. Uh, Johnny Leiden, Johnny Rotten, and Pistol, <laughs> Pistols had a new band, Public Image Limited, and their second album was coming out in America, or had just come out, called Second Edition. And he's being interviewed by Tom Snyder on the old Tomorrow Show. Oh, my goodness, yeah. And Snyder, by the way, he's no uh, wallflower. He's no, he's not going to take it. He gives it as good as Johnny gives it to him. Yes. But it's just 
oil and water from the beginning, you know? Yeah, from the and, very first question. But to be fair, Tom Snyder wins because he comes up with the greatest comment, <laughs> for my money, when he says to Johnny Lydon, you know, sorry for talking when you're interrupting. Yeah, I, I told you when you <laughs> pointed that out to me, I said, I have to use that in my classroom. Man. Oh, so that's a- I've used it. I've used it. <laughs> Excuse me, no, he goes, excuse me for talking while you're interrupting. Best line ever. <laughs> because right off the bat, right, they're, they're saying we're a corporation. Yeah. And then, you know, then, but you guys play music, not we're a corporation. And yeah, it's just totally, totally stonewalling. And I mean, of course, uh, Leiden's had, he, every interview for him was basically like that, but he was in very fine form that day, I, for sure. And poor Keith Levine, he's just throwing, I just want to talk about the album, man, but um, interesting side note, I, I in preparing for to, for our recording tonight, I, I, I dug up an interview in 1997 where John Leiden's with Tom Snyder again. Oh, really? And, yeah, and it, much nicer. And Leiden said, you know, I was just trying to make it interesting. And Tom Snyder was going, no, you weren't. You were you were trying to kill me. <laughs> it was really good. It was a good interview. But, you know, uh, even Madonna and Letterman did interviews after that, and they referred, but both of them referred back to that. Yeah. I mean, she was on as late as 2009. She was on that, that show with him. And uh, and they they referred back to that. He He wouldn't let it go. No, well, how could, how could you? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's almost traumatizing. I mean, if you're an interviewer, and I, again, I, I did lots of live interviews on the radio, and I was lucky. I mean, lucky, or I just interviewed. Everyone I talked to was super, super nice. Yeah, same here. I, I've but, been very fortunate. I mean, I've, I've, I've always feared about, you know, having that moment where someone just, you know, isn't going to cooperate, or you say the wrong thing, or you pick the wrong moment to ask a question, you know, but, um, uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I just still think the Johnny Lydon, Tom Snyder interview in 1980 is, is one of my all time favorite oh, interviews. Yeah. It was, that was a great choice for our number one tonight. I think, the the so. amount of sarcasm on both ends. Brilliant. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Cause they're both quick guys. They're both very sharp. And... But yeah, I, Schneider, Snyder really impressed me. Really mm-hmm. impressed me in that interview. I, he didn't back down from Leiden at all. He nope. just kind of, no, I'm going to go for it too, John. So there he goes. And well, Aaron, this has been a lot of fun. Eh? I love it these episodes. Been. This one reminded me a little bit of the Link Simp- Lip Sync episode, actually. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's something kind of fun to look back on, right? Yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah. So it's time to tie this thing back to the Beatles. So let's get ready for Six Degrees of Beatlemania. All right, hit me with some Beatlemania here. Well, I was thinking about this, and I thought, are, are there any interviews that have kind of not gone well for the, the Fabs, other than the London one we mentioned? And the one that came to mind is a, a 1980 interview that Ringo Starr did with his wife. Well, she was they weren't married then, uh, Barbara Bach. Uh, they were promoting the movie Caveman, and they're on the old John Davidson talk show. Yeah, I, I remember, remember that show, yeah. Remember that? And Ringo comes on. The first thing he does is he has a, a Polaroid camera and he does selfies with Andy Gibb and Karen Grazel from Little House on the Prairie. He then proceeds to take the questions from John Davidson's hand and goes, well, that's a boring question. I don't like that question at all. I'm not answering that one. And it's, <laughs> and he's drunk. He's clearly Oh, hammered. boy. 
Um, not his best moment, but still charmingly funny. But, yes. uh, so, yeah, that's going to go down as one of the worst Ringo Starr interviews. But uh, I'm sure he's embarrassed by it now. But, again, as you said, he went on John Davidson a year later and everything was fine. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty sad. Yeah. <laughs> it is uh, – it's you never like seeing that happen with your idols, eh? But. No, no, and and um, I was such a I am still a mad collector. And at the end of the John Davidson show, it said you could write for a free transcript of the interviews. So I did, and I still have it from the oh, John nice. Davidson the official transcript. <laughs> Everyone's when I bring it up, I go, "Oh, Ringo, Ringo." That's right. <laughs> oh, it's, it, it, it was. I, I did like the Polaroid selfies, though. I mean, that he was years ahead of his That's time. That's right, way ahead of his time. Way ahead of his time. Yeah. So we're going to go from uh, laughing and chuckling to uh, a little grumpiness here, and uh, yeah, you you have a little thing, a uh, little get off my lawn moment. So I do. Yeah, go ahead. Well, look, I'm not perfect. I, my wife, anyone will tell you, I'm so far from perfect. However, I use turn signals. I think <laughs> I'm the last person in the city of Toronto that does. I was driving. I had to go downtown to pick up some some, some stuff for my daughter who's in New York, and I had to pick it up. Tony, does your car have that little thing on the left-hand side you can indicate if you're going to change lanes on a highway? And it, it does, actually, yeah. Does it? Because they don't have them here. <laughs> Cost-cutting measure or something. Oh, my. And people just drifting. You're like, you're driving in your lane. I'll send people just drift over. You're like, could you signal? Anyways, my pet peeve is is I'm not asking for a lot. I don't speed myself. I'm a safe driver. Just use your turn signals, folks. If you're going to turn right, click it up. That's right. (laughs) Um, So, I don't know. You ever have that in Ottawa? Oh, yeah. Even where I live, we have that. And. Sometimes, you know, it's the ones who are coming right towards you. Yeah. Who you think are going to turn left or something, but they don't yeah. have their signal on. And right. Like, oh, right. man. Or, or, else, or else I like to, when you're driving, like I'm driving down Kipling and there's a side street and there's a car coming, you're thinking, are they going to stop? Like they, <laughs> they have a stop sign. I'm hoping, but I'm not betting on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so my, my get off my lawn moment right now is just, the lack of turn signals in Southern Ontario. So there you go. Oh, there you go. Well, Aaron, I don't know about you, but uh, I had a lot of fun tonight. It's so great to uh, laugh like that, isn't it? Especially oh, see, we need we need to laugh. Yes, we do. This was a, a really fun topic. As always, I should mention that uh, the show's music is written by Rick Denis, and uh, hopefully, you'll get to meet Rick in person someday. And in fact, He's really hopefully, good. I love his playing. Yeah, and hopefully, you and I will get to meet as well. <laughs> That would be grand. Simply grand. I would love to. That'd be great. Yeah. Yes, because we, you know, we stare at each other on a computer screen here. But it'll be um, nice to one day. One day. Uh, nice to to see the three D versions, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm more three D these days, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I think we all are. <laughs> so, uh, thanks so much too to our audience who listen to the show every week, and to those of you who spread the word about the show by sharing our posts on social media and giving us your feedback. And we've also had some of our fans uh, start uh, supporting the show financially, and uh, we really appreciate that. I know Michelle and Brenda, thanks so much. 
I'm, I'm only going to use first names, just. Yeah. Uh, but it makes a difference because there are fixed costs with a show every month, and uh, that every little bit helps. So thank you so much for supporting us. Thank you very much. And you know what? I think uh, I think it's time for us to say good night. So to our audience out there, until we see you again, stay safe, be well, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Stewie Tunes Show. Follow us on social media or visit us online at stewietunes.com. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to click subscribe.